And everyone that was in distress, and everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him. And he became a captain over them, and there were with him about 400 men. And David went thence to Mitzpah of Moab, and he said unto the king of Moab, Let my father and my mother, I pray thee, come forth and be with you till I know what God will do for me. And he brought them before the king of Moab, and they dwelt with him all the while that David was in the hold. And the prophet Gad said unto David, Abide not in the hold, depart, and get thee into the land of Judah. Then David departed and came into the forest of Harith. Amen? Amen. One of the things you see here, actually we look at the background, Saul was jealously pursuing David, who was the, the future anointed king of Israel. And because his hate was so venomous, he actually tried to take his life 21 times. In the midst of this situation, David was fleeing for his life. He had an opportunity that he could have actually taken Saul's life, but he chose not to do it because he didn't want to touch anybody that God had anointed, even if the man was not operating uh, under a spirit of, of obedience. So throughout this process, we see that David had to leave all the things that he held dear, not only the, the dreams and you know the, 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 the call upon his life, which was to be the future king, but he also had to depart from you know, his place of comfort, from his wife, from his family members, from all the things he, he held dear. Not only that, but he actually had to pretend that he was insane, and at one point, he was actually in the enemy's camp. So it's very hard for us to picture God speaking into our lives and saying, I have something, a great promise in, in front of you, yet you're spending your time in a cave. You know, a cave is a very dank place. You know, it's pungent in terms of the smell. It's very dark. There's a lot of dis disillusionment there. And in the midst of this cave, he was not only there, but he was surrounded by people that were in debt, people that were in distress, and people were, that were malcontents. So it's bad enough that you're basically in a pit situation, but now you're surrounded by a lot of people that are in similar circumstances. So in the midst of this, David had two choices. Either he was going to choose to be a victim that stayed in that cave, or he was going to choose to be somebody that found a way to get out of his circumstances. Amen? And if we were to look at this in terms of our own lives, a lot of us are going through trials and tribulations. As I shared, you know, I've gone through some health situation. I've also gone through some, you know, career and financial situations. And around me all the time, I'm hearing more and more stories of people struggling through different trials and tribulations. Amen? So we also have, you know, either a privilege and a responsibility to speak life into the lives of people that are surrounding us, or we could join into them and be a member of that club that's stuck in that cave with the same kind of mindset. Amen? Amen. So tonight, we're going to look at that. You know, how do we handle that cave experience? And most of all, how do we get out of it? Amen? Hallelujah. So let's go into a word of prayer. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we just praise and thank you, Father. First of all, Father, that you saw fit to allow us to go into cave situations, Lord. We may not know why we're in there, Lord. It could be due to sin. It could do, be due to mistakes we've made. It could be through life circumstances, Lord, or it could be for the sake of a testimony. But we just praise and thank you right now, Father, for whatever reason that you have us there, Father. We may have prayed for months or years to get out, Lord, and we may not see any end of sight. We just thank you right now, Father, that through your word, you will illuminate our circumstances to us, Father. Show us not only how to get out of them, Lord, but show us the things that you called us to do and how we should perceive things even while we're in the midst of these trials and tribulations, Father, that your glory may be re 
revealed in the lives of the people that surround us, Father. Let us be people of impact. Let us be people of wisdom, Father. Let us be difference makers, Father, that illuminate the darkness of the cave that's surrounding the people that you've called us to influence, Father, that not only will we come out of those situations, Father, but also, Father, give us a capability to inspire others, Father, to come out of these situations, Lord. We praise you, Father, that many lives will be saved in the midst of the situations that we face. We praise you, Father, that many will be delivered and healed, Father. And most of all, Father, let us come out changed, Father, from these circumstances and also bring other people out. We thank you. We give you the glory and honor, Father, for these things. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All right, as I look at this passage of Scripture, one of the first things that the Lord uh, revealed to me is that while we're in the midst of the cave situation, surrounded by, you know, darkness, surrounded by people murmuring, complaining, you know, not seeing any light at the end of our tunnel. It's very hard for us to see, you know, and keep our eyes on the things that God has shown to us. You know, I know for years that God had given me a vision of different things he called me to do in ministry. You know, he's given me vivid dreams in which I've seen myself in other countries. Um, some of the things have come to, to occur in my life already, but there's still a lot of things that are yet to come. So when you're in that situation where you're surrounded by that darkness, sometimes it's very easy for us to lose sight of the things that God has placed in our lives. In David's life, it was very hard for him as he's being chased by Saul to see that he's called to, to the palace. Amen? But you have to realize in the midst of these trials and tribulations that God has an ordained place for you, amen, that you, that you cannot allow yourself to lose sight of. Amen? In the book of Jeremiah chapter 29, God says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Amen? Thoughts of peace. Amen? So let's look at that. God has thoughts of peace for your life. You know, if we were to look at people that surround us on a daily basis, you know, people are very fickle. One day, they may think highly of you. They want, may want to use you. You know, I hate to say it, but, you know, I was basically in a situation at my own church where I was a pivotal member. I was active in a lot of things. I was in charge of, of a lot of ministries. But in the midst of my trials and tribulation, it took a month and a half for my pastor to even call me to see if I was okay. Amen? So as much as we do for people, amen, they may lose sight of us if we're not doing something for them. Amen? But thank God that regardless of what we're going through, God says in his word that he has thoughts of peace towards us, amen? You know, people may forget us. People may discount us. They may totally, you know, underlook us or over, undermine us, amen? But God has nothing but thoughts of peace towards us to get us to an expected end, amen? Now, one of the things you see in the word of God that we can't see in the English is that word expected has a lot of meaning to it underneath the, the, the surface, amen? In the original Hebrew, it means a measuring cord or an attachment, a binding that is twisted together, or a thing that God longs for. Amen? So not only is God looking and saying, I have an end that I'm already foreseeing for your life, but he said, I've intertwined myself in it, I've bound myself to it and you to your destiny, and I long for that to come into being in your life. So in the midst of your trials and tribulations, sometimes we lose sight of these things. We say, you know what? That thing that I saw, that thing that I envisioned, that thing I dreamed for is not going to happen in my life. But as we see here, according to God's word, he is actually longing for you to fulfill the destiny that he has in store for you. Not only is God longing for that, but he's saying he's intertwined himself in that. So no matter what you've done, 
whether you failed, whether you sinned, whether you stumbled a thousand times, God said he's totally immersed in your circumstances, amen? And he's going to be the one that's going to guarantee that you're going to get to the destiny that he's called for your life, amen? amen. Hallelujah. So you may lose sight of it, but God never relinquishes of the hold that he has on, his li on your life. He never backs off from what he's called for your life, and he says that he's going to make sure you're going to fulfill the destiny that he has in store for you. You know, as I went through various things over the last few years, there was times where, you know, like I said, things looked very bleak. I went from the mountaintop from a career perspective of making, you know, six figures. And my contract ended, you know, things were outsourced to India, you know, the job market was bad, the economy was, was crippled, you know, a lot of IT jobs, which is the industry I am, were shipped overseas. So I went in a short amount of time from $120,000 to $17,000 for a family of four. My plane didn't just crash, it went down in flames. <laughs> That's one of them things like, you don't even want to survive the, tr the, the plane wreck. Lord, why couldn't you let me die when the plane went down? Amen? So yet, through all this, amen, and me, you know, the kind of individual I am, I've always been hardworking. I've always been very assertive. I've worked from the time that I was a paper boy. And matter of fact, when I did that, I lied. You're supposed to be 13 years old to be a paper boy. I was 12. I lied to get the job. Amen? I've been working ever since that time. So to go from somebody that was that hardworking to somebody that's trying to get a job, and I'm telling you, sometimes God will back you into the corner that you have to just totally trust in him. Amen? And it may, may, may not make sense whatsoever. I was sending out resumes to hundreds of places, and there was times where the ads had my name all over it. You know, we need the following 10 skills. We need this many years of experience. We need this or that. It's local to you. We need somebody that's right over the bridge or this or that. I'm looking at the criteria in the ad. I meet everything that's in the ad and then some. They don't even call me back. So I'm like, Lord, what are you doing? Amen? And then, you know, I, I went to different job fairs. I called people. I went after projects working from home. And it seemed like everywhere I went, everything I pursued, Every door was getting blocked to me, amen? So God literally blocked me into a corner where finally I had to say, you know, I had to take my eyes off myself and just throw in the towel, and then God finally got me to a place where he caused things to come through, amen? So that's the way it works sometimes. We may not like it. It may not feel good, but yet God says he's got everything in, in motion. He's got all the things in place. We may not understand how things are going and why they're going the way they're going, but yet God says he's going to get us to an expected end, amen? Hallelujah. So he's attached it through us. In, out, in and out of that process, there's a lot of times where I became discouraged. You know, I had to, you know, build myself up through the word. I had to speak the word over my life. I had to speak the word over my health. And no matter what I saw, I saw no matter what I felt, and no matter what negative medical report I got, I had to keep rehearsing the word of God in my mouth, amen, and in my mind, amen. Hallelujah. And despite that, sometimes things seemed to get worse than they, before they got better. But yet, I still had to hold firm to God's word, amen, even when it seemed that nothing was going to work. And God finally, almost like in a moment's notice, started to pull everything into gear, amen. He started sending people to me, can you do this project? I had people chasing me down to do work for me, amen. I mean, I had one guy, even though I was doing projects and I usually signed a proposal and a contract, I had a guy just came over and just dropped one check off. A couple weeks later, he said, I'm going to Florida, drop the neck, another check off. I was like, we haven't even signed a, a contract yet. But yet God started opening doors and started sending things my way. Matter of fact, even now, I'm in a place where I'm actually too busy, and I'm trying to juggle all the work that's come in. 
but I had to come to a place where I realized that no matter what I saw, no matter what I felt, God has an expected end for my life. Amen? So in my stumbling, God, with the attachment he had to me, kept pulling me up. When I deviated off course, God took that cord and said, I got to reel you in. Amen? When I was down in that deep pit, amen, and saw that there's no end in sight, God used that tether to pull me up and get me back to the place where he called me to be. Amen? Because God is going to get us to an expected end. And one of the things he said here that we have to keep our mindset on is that if you seek me and you shall find me if you search for me with all your heart. See, is there a part of your heart that was still trusting in other people? You know, I had family members that said, hey, if things get tight, I can help you out. You know, I had other people over the years that said, hey, if you ever need, call me up and, you know, I can try to fix the situation for you. You know, I even found myself at a certain time where I started to take my eyes off God and say, you know what, well, maybe I should call this person or maybe I should do this, amen? But yet, God kept pressuring me and saying, no, I've put you in this corner. I've placed you to this situation. I'm allowing all this to happen. So I got to the place where one day I finally had the moment, you know, one of those pivotal moments in my life where I said, you know what, even though, God, you know I'm a driven person, even though I've always worked hard and somehow found a way to work out my own fires and put them out, I said, God, I don't care. <laughs> I just throw in the towel. <laughs> White flag of surrender. And when I did that, God literally started to move everything into motion. See, I was in the, the way of my own deliverance. Amen? So God says he has an expected end for you and I. But we have to trust him even when we're backed in that desperate corner that he's going to give us those breakthroughs. It says here, once again in Jeremiah, that you, if you search for me with all your heart, I will be found of you. And one of the things that he showed me is that there was a part of me that was still self-sufficient. I was still trusting in Brian Fox. Because, see, I spent 20-something years in the computer field. I've always been the cream of the crop. I've always been the best. I've always been the pioneer. You know, I was the kind of person that if there was a project and they said there's something that needs to be done that cannot be done, I was like, I got that. And I would figure it out. So finally, God had to back me into a corner that Brian Fox and his self-sufficiency couldn't get himself out of. I actually ran into Alton at the library, and I was telling him about that because, you know, it wasn't a prideful thing in my life. You know, in everything I do, I always profess Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I always look for opportunities in which I could bless other people. So I wasn't walking around puffed up. I wasn't walking around with this big head thinking I was all that. I was walking around, as far as I knew, with a profession of faith that God is the center of all of my life. But see, he wasn't the, the Lord. He wasn't the total Lord of my computer um, you know, credentials. Because there was still that part of Brian Fox that said, if there's something related to my field, I got that. Amen? I went to a wealth builders conference out in Ohio at my mother-in-law's church, and there was a guy uh, who had gone to one of those conferences, and um, the person that spoke said there was going to be new streams of income that were going to come his way. So he got this one project with Sears, and he started working it, and then all of a sudden it opened up a door where they said, we want to give you a new line of business, and he said, I don't have the work, I don't have the manpower, I don't have the vehicles, I don't have any of the tools I need to be able to take on that much work. So he went back to the, the pastor and he said, what should I do? And the pastor said, I'll pray in agreement with you. And once they prayed, the pastor said, go do it. So he came out of that prayer, instead of being excited, he said, well, 
There's a part of me that says I trust my pastor, but there's another part of me that knows how much work this takes, how many vehicles and people I need. And he said, the pastor doesn't know what it takes to get this done. So it's easy for him to have the faith that I could do this. Amen? So he hesitated. You know, he struggled with this on and off for about a week. And then finally he said, you know what? Even if I make a fool out of myself, I'm going to just leap in and I do this. And once he did that, God opened the door for all the vehicles and all the resources that he needed in terms of manpower to come in. And now he has not only the two lines of business that he really originally had, but he's up to five different lines of business from Sears. Amen? See, he was still trusting an aspect of his own knowledge and intellect to be the one that governed what he's supposed to do. And that actually got in the way of him being able to do what God was placed into his life because he still trusted in his intellect and his knowledge over it more than he did what the man of God told him to do. So even if we're not prideful, there's still that little area that could be in our lives that we're still holding on to, that we're still self-sufficient. So in my life, amen, God showed me the hard way <laughs> that there was a part of me that trusted in my 20 years, 20 plus years of experience, my college degree, all my experiences, even though I didn't even realize it was a form of, of pride, there was still a form of self-sufficiency that was still inside of me that still made me Lord over my computer career. Amen? And once I relinquished that, God showed me that he's basically got all that covered. Amen? He starts sending in business that I didn't even pursue. Amen? He started making deals come through that I didn't even pursue. It was because I had to get out of the way with my two cents and let him be the Lord of that area as well. Amen? So God says here that he has thoughts of peace to get us to an expected end. But we have to be in a place where we realize that in every area of our lives that we trust him. The word says, trust the Lord with all your heart. Amen? Lean not on your own understanding. Amen? He tells us that he's going to direct our paths if we relinquish these things over to him. But we have to be in a place where we trust him to be the Lord of every area, even in the areas in which we may not suspect that there's an area of pride or self-sufficiency. So once again, God says that he's bound himself to us in our expected end. He said he's attached himself. And as we saw early on, he said he, always, he also longs for us to get to that place. Amen? Now, one of the things we see from time to time, you know, in our lives is that, you know, we may be surrounded by trials and tribulations. You have to realize that in the book of your life, amen, with Jesus being the author and finisher of your faith, you don't know what chapter you're in, amen? Are you in chapter 1, chapter 10, or are you near the end? Now, we look at movies, we watch plays, and if you look at any, um, actually, I'm reading a really good spy novel right now, and one of the first things that the author is doing is he's building, building up the character. He's starting to expose the background. He's starting to, you know, take you to different places around the world where the plot's all being tied together. And he's starting to develop all the characters. And what's going to happen is somewhere over the course of the novel, you're going to see a climax. You're going to see some twists and turns. And finally, it's going to come to a well-rounded con conclusion if it's a good book. Amen? Same thing with each one of our lives, amen? We've got a lot of twists and turns. We've got some character development in us as well as the people around us. There's a lot of twists and turns, and in some people's lives there's a lot of drama, but yet God says he knows the expected end that he's going to take us through. See, a lot of times when we're in the midst of that trial and tribulation, that cave experience, we said, I'm trapped here, I'm stuck, you know, it's dank, it's bleak, I can't see any way out of my trial and tribulation. And God's saying, like, 
you ain't even at the halfway point. So why are you sweating this? Amen? If you just take the time to trust me and see that I have an expected end for you, amen, you'll see that even though this seems to be an overwhelming experience, I'm going to get you out of that. And matter of fact, the very thing to try to snuff you out is typically the thing that God will use you in to be a deliverer in the life of somebody else later on. Amen? Hallelujah. That's why I can tell you right now. Amen? I had early stage prostate cancer. Now, years ago, I, I prayed for people with cancer. They've been healed. Medically confirmed. Healed of cancer. But yet, I had to deal with that. And one of the things the Lord told me when I prayed about that, he says, sometimes a tree has to be pierced before it can produce sap. Amen? Another time he told me when I was praying about it, he says, sometimes a vial has to be broken before it can release an ointment or a fragrance. Amen? So we're sitting there a lot of times complaining about trials and tribulations. God's looking at it and saying, I'm just trying to break you. Amen? So I can produce that sap that's going to flow out of you and into the lives of the people that surround you. Amen? Hallelujah. That's why David, even though he's in the midst of the cave, had something that he could impart into the lives of the other people. He still had hope and faith in God. So instead of us despising the fact that these things are in our lives, trapping us, entangling us, and keeping us trapped, Instead, we should be seeing that God still has a destiny in store for you and I, and he's going to get us there, despite the fact that we're surrounded by blackness. Amen? Now, as we look at the people that are in there, it says that they were in debt, they were distressed, and they were discontented. Amen? So one of the things that I look at in that situation is, when you're in the midst of the trials and tribulations, are you spending more time praying and seeking ways out of that cave experience or are you in there expending your energy, murmuring, complaining about your circumstances? Amen? If we look at the people that were in the cave, they were in there who knows how long. They might have been in there for months. They might have been in there for years. Amen? But murmuring, complaining is the thing that keeps you stuck in the cave, whereas having the mindset that I'm going to take my eyes off my circumstances, ignore how I feel, and look at what God has in store for me, that's going to allow us to be propelled out of that cave. Amen? Hallelujah. The Lord laid on my heart and said, don't let your cave be your coffin. Amen? Do not let your cave be your coffin. It may seem that it's going to be the death of you. Amen? But if you take your eyes off yourself and how you feel, you'll see that there's a blessing inside of every situation. As I shared, I had early stage prostate cancer. I could have been, woe is me, oh, the C word. <laughs> you know, as soon as you say that C word, like, oh, brother. <laughs> You know, so that's why, you know, my wife and I kept it quiet from a lot of people. Amen. I call family members that, you know, they're saved. They're set free by the power of God. I'll see them in eternity. But when I was going in the midst of that situation, it's like, I can't talk to you. I had to cut them off because every time I call them, oh, you can't do that. I know somebody that had that surgery that's still in diapers. I know a person that went through that that says, oh, it's been hell ever since they had that surgery. You can't go that route. So I had to cut them off because I was of the mindset that I had to keep my mind stayed on Jesus Christ. Amen? And no matter what I feel, no matter what I think, amen, if there's a negative thought in my mind, I have to even tell my mind that I'm not going to allow it to dwell upon the thoughts that are coming through. Amen? So you have to sift what you're hearing through the Word of God. You have to allow it to go through the filtration system of the Word of God. Amen? Life and death is in the power of the tongue. And you got to realize that whatever you think filters through your mind 
And if you don't cast down that imagination, amen, it's going to start permeating your mind. It's going to trigger additional thoughts. The enemy is going to keep speaking to you and speaking to you until finally it gets down to your heart and it becomes the essence of who you are. Amen? The word says that as a man thinketh in his heart, the core of his being, so is he. So if I allow people to get into my head and say, oh, brother, you might not survive that. Which, you know, unfortunately one of my aunts said, you know. But as soon as that came in, I said, you know, no. This is not my end. I'm coming through this process, amen. And whether God does it spontaneously or God does it through surgery, my God said that he's a God of healing, amen. It's just which way does he want to go, amen. See, if God heals me spontaneously, that's a testimony. Not only have I prayed for people to have been spontaneously healed, but God has now done it in my life, amen. But if God chooses to take me through the surgical process, then I tell him how God kept me up in my spirit. God strengthened me. And now I can testify about the goodness of God and how he got me through the process. Amen? Praise the Lord. I was actually down here at Lady of Lords. Amen? And I went through one of their pre-surgical classes. And um, in the pre-surgical class, there was a nurse there that was pretty much in the wellness. And she was kind of doing the hypnotic approach. So, you know, close your eyes and count back from 10. And just think of what you'll say, you know, you know before surgery. And think of what you're going to do and say as soon as you come out of surgery. And what's going to be your first meal? And what's going to be this and that? And close your eyes and just visualize all these fluffy things. Amen? <laughs> so I was like, you know, years ago, <laughs> I might be like, that's a bunch of crap. <laughs> but, you know, can I say that in church? But anyway, <laughs> but I'm a little older. I'm a little wiser. So I was like, okay, I'm going to be a saint. Keep my mouth shut throw out that that I don't abide by and still be polite. So I closed my eyes, but I meditated on the scriptures and, you know, what God is going to do in my circumstances. Amen? And there was a, a man, and see, here's the thing. You don't know what God is setting up in your circumstances because when I went there the day of the surgery, I was loaded to the teeth with um, two sheets of paper of, of healing verses. And I sat there, you know, waiting for my surgery. It was supposed to be 10 o'clock, and, you know, the clock kept ticking. Hmm. They ain't calling me yet. 15 more minutes. Not come, they're not calling me yet. So, you know, a little anxiety. I'm human. A little anxiety started to come in as I'm sitting there waiting. So I went to the bathroom, you know, washed my face, went to the bathroom, came out, and I still felt that anxiety, you know, lift, coming on me. And I didn't want to, you know, put that on my wife because, like, she's already praying and supporting me. My mother-in-law was there, but I was like, you know, I don't want to pass this over to them because they might pick up on that anxiety. So I was like, you know what? I started reading my verses, and by the time I got to the second passage of Scripture, I felt empowered again. Amen? And by the time my surgeon came up, he's like, any questions, any concerns? I said, man, let's get this over with. Let's go, man. You hold me up. Amen? I got a mission of healing today. Let's go. Amen? So I came out of surgery, and um, actually it was a pretty good nap. I don't remember anything, but, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't get much sleep, so they said it was hard to wake me up. I said, I was probably trying to stay out about 8 to 10 hours and stuff. So anyway, I wake up, and my wife said, you know, you know, can you hear me? Do you know me? I was like, who are you? You know, whatever. So I got the joke. But anyway, I get up to my room, and little I find out that um, as I'm talking to the guy in the next bed, he said, oh, man, I messed everybody up. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, you didn't hear what happened? I said, no. He said, well, I came in there. He said, I've never been scared of blood, never been scared of needles. He said, as soon as, as, soon as they stuck that IV in me, bam, I was on the floor. Passed out from the anxiety, amen? 
So he felt bad about it, but basically I encouraged him. I said, oh, man, it's just one of them things. Don't worry about that. We're going to get through this healing process. And, you know, later that day when my mother-in-law and my wife were leaving, you know, they, they, they grabbed my hand to pray. They looked over him the next bed and said, hey, you want to join in? He said, oh, yeah, I like prayer. So we pray for him too. And to this day, the two of us check up on each other regularly, and we call ourselves the robotic brothers, amen? Because <laughs> we, we had state-of-the-art robotic surgery, so we call each other the robotic brothers. So I got a white brother that's 53 years old, but that's another story. But anyway, um, my thing is, even if it was to be a part of his life, amen, that he would get saved and edified, you know, I was like, that was worth it to me, amen? So you don't know what that trial and tribulation is for. You, know, you don't know how many lives you're going to touch. Like I said, I walk through my neighborhood on a daily basis and pray, and there's people coming out. And, you know, I, you know, when I talk to people, they got a prayer concern, they got some kind of need, I'll sit there and pray for them. I'll try to at least encourage them. And I've even talked to a couple people about my circumstance. Amen? So I truly believe that even though God took me that route, God still has opened up a lot of opportunities because of that. And matter of fact, even in that process, God had his hand over every area of that, of that, amen? Because they patched me into a urologist who at first was going to do the surgery. But he said, you know what? There's another guy in my practice that's, you know, we brought him on board just for this procedure. He's like, basically, this guy's the man. I'm an average piano player. This guy's a virtuoso. I was like, done, <laughs> amen? So the guy did the surgery, and I found out later on that not only was he a ur urologic surgeon, but he was also an oncologist, so he's a cancer specialist. So the guy said, hey, we got it all. I had blood tests after that. He said, you know, cancer-free. So now is my, my second month anniversary of being cancer-free. Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So even in the midst of my circumstances, amen, I could have, through my mindset, made that one of my caves. But yet God said, you know, if I keep my mind stayed on him according to his word, Amen? It could be a peaceful process. And that's not to say that I didn't go through some things here and there. But um, matter of fact, when I came out, they said, what is your pain level on a scale of 1 to 10? And they kept coming back to me over and over again. What is your pain level? Zero. Came back again. What's your pain level? Zero. <laughs> I just kept telling them over and over again, I don't need any pain med medication. Because God got me through that process. Amen? So once again, don't let your cave be your, your coffin, amen? You may be trapped in a trial and tribulation. It might be financial in nature. It might be medical in nature. It could be, you know, something in your career. It could be something in your family. But don't let that cave be your coffin. And by that, I'm saying that you have to realize that even in the midst of your darkest hour, God is an ever-present help, amen? David, in the book of Psalms 139, said, Whither can I go, amen, you know, to flee from your presence, if I make my bed in hell, you are there. Amen? God actually gave me a vision years ago that, you know, to this day, it still just, just blows my mind. You know, he, he showed me, um, basically when he revealed to me I was a prophet, he showed me in a room full of people, and I was surrounded by all these people. I could see them clearly. And basically, all of a sudden, he zoomed in on my face. Then he zoomed out. First of all, to like the city level, state level, continental level, and then I could see the planet Earth, you know, rotating. And then the, the Lord spoke and said, the prophet walks alone. But one of the things he showed me about that is that even though he may be visualizing either the whole Earth or the whole universe, each one of us is so precious that he still has total focus on you and I. Amen? That's just, this, just awesome. The, the love and the protection and provision of God. 
He goes down further on and says, Surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. Amen? God's got the greatest night vision goggles in the universe. Amen? You just can't hide. <laughs> Sometimes it's a bad thing when we act up. <laughs> Amen? Sometimes you're trying to hide, but the fact is, no matter where you are, no matter what you're feeling, you cannot hide from the presence of God. There's nothing you, you could do to, to, to hide from him. Amen? And he goes further to here and says that he's possessed your reins. He's covered you in your mother's womb. So even from the time that you were born, amen? I like Jeremiah. He says, even before you were formed in your mother's womb, amen, that he spoke to you, he knew you. That word knew in that passage of Scripture means to intimately know and observe. So God says, even before you were formed, just think about that. You know, what state were you at when God first started loving on you and observing you and taking account for every aspect of your life, amen? You know, did you have arms and legs or were you just a freshly fertilized egg? What state were you at in your mother's womb where God first started to observe you? And even now, in your adulthood, no matter how old you are, God is still observing your every moment. So how dare any of us ever say that God doesn't care about my circumstances, that I'm trapped in this darkness and there's no way out, and God doesn't see me, he doesn't hear me, and he doesn't care about my circumstances, amen? If anything, you might be in that situation because either God's trying to get the glory out of your life in that circumstance, he's trying to teach you something, amen? Or there are times where we get ourselves in there because of our sin, but even then, amen, we're one repentance away from coming out of that darkness, amen? So God is there all the time. He said, and, and David knew this and said, because this, I praise thee, and I realize that I am wonderfully and fearfully made. You know, in that cave, do you allow your circumstances to define who you are and what your value is to God? Amen? Like I said, I'm, I'm a person that's, you know, hardworking. I've always been that way. You know, once again, I've been working since I've been 12 years, and, years old, and there's been times where even when I was sick as a dog, I would go into work. I'm just a hard worker. Amen? So one of the things, when I went through the process of, you know, my financial <laughs> history going down in flames, you know, I had to evaluate myself and say, hey, you know, Brian Fox is not defined by what he makes. I've never been a materialistic, you know, but still, as a man that's trying to provide for your family, there's still times where you say, okay, I'm really looking for this job to go through only to have that opportunity not to pan out. Amen? You know, you pray about that proposal and project, and, you know, there's times where I might have spent two weeks talking to people, emailing and pursuing something, writing a 30-page document with somebody else provided a bullet list, and they get it because they low-bid at me. Amen? But yet still have to get up and say, on to the next challenge. Amen? Sometimes that's a hard thing to do. But you have to realize that whether you're up and down, you are not defined by your circumstances or the things you go through. Amen? You are, your value is the same at all times to God. Amen? And he will never negate the call or the destiny that he has for your life. As we look at that cave situation, like I said, a cave is a very unpleasant place to be. There's a stench. It's dark. It's pungent. There's probably things in there that can infect you. But you can't allow your outlook of God and who you are to be affected by the things that you're surrounded with. Amen? 
See, David didn't allow himself to get pulled into the depression of the people that were surrounding him. It was bad enough that he was being driven to that cave, but then to be in that cave surrounded by basically a bunch of miserable people and try to keep your head up and have a positive outlook on your life is a hard thing. Then you add to the fact that you're destined for the palace and you have a king that's basically in your spot living in luxury while he's trying to stuff out your life. So it's a very hard thing to keep believing that you have a future when you're facing these things, but yet David still kept his head up and did not, did not allow his circumstances and his outlook to be affected by the things that he went through. The book of Romans says, as it is written in chapter 4, um, starting in verse 17, when God talked about Abraham, it says, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations, before whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and cough those things would be not as though they were. See, there's times where things haven't manifested yet, but God says those things that are not there yet, I'm going to cause them to manifest. And one of the key things is that we keep our eyes on that thing coming to manifestation. Amen? See, I had visions even before I found out I was sick. The Lord gave me visions where I would be preaching at different places and everybody in the room would be spontaneously healed without me laying hands on them. Amen? Then somebody came to me and prophesied that the, the ministry of healing God has placed within you is going to go to a new level. So I had a choice when I heard I had a, had a medical ailment. Am I going to trust in the ailment that is now in my body and let that define me and, and cancel out the call that, has, that God has on my life? Or am I going to believe God and his word that he's still going to allow that to flow through my life? Amen? See, I had to choose which one I was going to, going to do. Amen? Most of the things we face in life are a matter of, per, of, per, of perception. Are we going to allow ourselves to be governed by the things we're going through, which are temporal, or the things that have an eternal perspective? Amen? Hallelujah. See, all these things are just going on for a short time. One of the things you don't realize is that you're an eternal being. See, we govern ourselves by the number of years. I'm 48 years old now. Amen? I tell Pam she's getting old, but I'm 48 years old now. <laughs> and am I defined... By 48 years of life, or am I defined by the things that God has for me from an eternal perspective? See, whether or not I'm here for another 50 years or not, amen, the things that I am going after, the things that I have my eyes on, are supposed to be things that have an eternal value, amen? So when I speak to that person in the hospital bed next to me, when I speak to that person in my neighborhood, when I talk to that person on the job, in the grocery store, or wherever I go, See, those things have an eternal weight and value to them, amen? So just because I'm having a bad day, what does that have to do with the treasures that God has placed inside of me, amen? We serve a God that's beyond comparison, amen? Hallelujah. Amen. Get a little hand clap, amen? Hallelujah. I, I just love science, amen? We serve a God that the more we look out in space, the more we realize there is to it, Amen? We used to talk about black holes, now they're saying there's white holes. That instead of sucking everything in, they, they expel everything that's in them. Amen? They're talking about, you know, according to string theory, they said it could be multiple universes. And if there are multiple universes, my God still created them all. Amen? They're saying that out there in space, there's like probably 200 billion billion galaxies in seven concentric rings. Amen? So in all that vastness of space, we still serve a God that has his eyes on each one of us and knows us intimately. Amen? And not only that, but in a mystery that we'll never relate to, 
somehow has encapsulated himself inside of these little flesh suits with all the flaws, with all the shortcomings, with all the things that we stumble over, amen? You know, all of us have vices, all of us have shortcomings, all of us have flaws, but yet that God is still inside of us. And see, we lose sight of that, amen? We need to start having the mindset that we are basically the temples of the Holy Ghost, amen? We are ambassadors of Christ, and everywhere we go, we have something of value to deposit in the lives of the people that are around us, amen? See, we've been trained by circumstances and by failures to say, I'm nothing but a doormat, I'm nothing but something for the world or the enemy to beat upon. We don't realize that everywhere we go, we are called to be devil chasers, amen, impact makers, to be on the top instead of the bottom or the head instead of the tail, amen. Everywhere we go, we are a treasure trove waiting to be released upon the people that are in our lives. So why are we allowing the bank account to define who we are and what our value is, amen? Even if my, my bank account is in the negative, I still have the capacity within me to go lay hands on somebody and have them get healed. I still have the capability that I can speak in somebody's lives instead of them being suicidal. Now they're accepting Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So is my value defined by the fact that I have a negative balance? No. It's measured by something much greater, amen, that has eternal value to it. So, once again, don't allow the stench of your circumstances to define who you are. God says, according to his word, that we always walk in triumph. Amen? Matter of fact, it talks about a fragrance being made manifest in us. See, you stink. <laughs> you all stink. Matter of fact, you all reek. But you reek the fragrance of triumph. Amen? Y'all never been told y'all stink at church before, right? <laughs> so you all stink. But y'all stink, not stink, but y'all have the stench, y'all have the fragrance of Jesus Christ surrounding you at all times, amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. So you reek of something that other people can detect, and it allows you to minister salvation, peace, comfort, healing, deliverance in their lives. Hallelujah. All right, we see further down in the book of Romans chapter 4 that it says, Abram when he was dealing with having a child past the time where you would normally have children, it says, who against hope believed in hope. Now, I first looked at that, I was like, what does that mean? Who against hope believed in hope? Because it seems like it's kind of contradicting itself. But when I looked at this, I realized that it does have some, some merit in our lives. And the reason is that each one of us has a humanistic fleshly hope that might have a limitation because one maybe you went after that job one time too many maybe you went after that situation one time too many maybe you believe for that healing or prosperity or whatever it may be you believed it at one time too many and got disappointed and now the human side of you the fleshly emotional side of you is saying it's not for me I might as well throw in the towel. So we see here that Abram, you know, Abraham had the same kind of situation. God is telling me to have a child that's going to be the child of promise, and he's going to be basically the legacy that I have to make me a father of nations. And my body's saying, dude, this ain't going to happen. <laughs> and my wife's body's saying, that ain't going to happen. So the fleshly side of him says, you know what? We've tried. We've obeyed God, you know. She's not getting pregnant. 
So that humanistic side of him, that emotional side, he says, you know what? I trust God that he has a destiny for me, but that human side of me is saying, this ain't going to work. So here, when we hope against hope, God is saying, step aside from your humanistic emotional hope and trust me at my word blindly, amen? Hope against hope, amen? In other words, allow your biblical, God-centered hope to transcend the humanistic emotional hope that you have. Even though it may seem to be blind, even though it may seem to be crazy, allow yourself through the word of God to say, even though I'm about to throw in the towel, I'm going to ignore that, and I'm only going to allow the profession of faith that comes out of me to continue to say, God's going to get me through this situation, amen? And once you believe in that, God takes you beyond your expectations, amen, and he allows you to achieve the things that you basically believed initially, amen? So in Abraham's case, he had the child of promise, even though initially he failed and basically started something that's still going over in the Middle East right now, amen, with the Arabs hating the Jews. But once he got past that, his faith was built up, amen, he believed against hope, and he was able to have the child of promise. Hallelujah. Now, one of the things you have to realize, too, is that even in the midst of your enemies, God can still preserve you. And if you don't have enemies, even in the midst of your trials and tribulations, God will still preserve you, you know, even though it may seem that it's not going to happen. Amen? You know, as I said, going through that process um, with the surgery and all the things that are going on, there's a lot of stuff coming at me. The devil was throwing everything plus the kitchen sink, plus my roof, plus the garage, piled a couple cars on, sent some people down the street to run me over, and, and basically, it was just nuts. And from a financial perspective, I've been self-employed for the last, um, what, 2004, five years, for the last five years. Now, here I am, self-employed, so having surgery, I was like, okay, I'll have a week of surgery, come out, I ain't gonna work eight hours, I ain't that crazy. But, um, you know, I'll go about half speed the first week and then gradually build myself back up to eight hour, well, eight hours I don't do, I actually do more, but more than eight hours, which is my normal time. So I come out of the surgery, and you know, I got my notebook computer, I was like, I'll do a little bit of work. So I grabbed my notebook, I put it on my, you know, on my lap, and the next thing you know, my computer's watching me. <laughs> so then I know evil, amen? Because God, is, 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 is his rod and his staff comfort us in the midst of that. And as I was looking at that, you know, one of the things I visualized was, was an actual valley. And one of the things I noticed is that in the midst, and actually by definition, a, a valley is a long, um, it's a long, low-lying area of ground that typically has a river or stream running through it. Amen? So you may be in a valley situation, but are you missing the stream? Amen? So you're in the midst of the circumstances, murmuring, complaining, oh, woe is me, why is this happening to me, where's my relief in sight? You know, are you possibly missing the fact that there's a stream or a river flowing there the whole time, amen, that's trying to nourish you and keep you quickened and keep you going down that path, nourished, so that you can get to the side of that long road that you're traveling in, amen? Hallelujah. So God is preparing refreshment, in other words, for you to survive the journey, but you have to be in a place where you realize that the nourishment is there. That valley place is not a place of barrenness. It's not a place of death. Once again, that's not going to be your final resting place unless you allow yourself to stay there. See, the people that are discontented, disillusioned, and in debt, 
They were there because they chose to be there. But once they saw the person, you know, the, the mannerism of David, there was something within him that sparked him to say, hey, I don't have to be this way anymore. Amen? So those same people gathered themselves unto him, and then they were edified and strengthened so they were able to come out of that situation. Amen? God wants to do the same thing in us. See, when we're in the midst of the valley circumstance, we'll often find that there's a lot of people, our coworkers, our family members, and friends that are present in that same place. Amen? But are you tapping into that reservoir, that river, that stream, amen? And not only tapping into it, but now are you starting to, to divvy that up into the lives of other people? I shared earlier that, you know, God spoke to me in the area of healing and said in my life that sometimes he has to break or pierce a branch in order for sap to flow out, amen? Or sometimes he has to break a vial so that ointment or, or, or a sweet fragrance will come out, Amen? Hallelujah. So that same thing is present in a lot of your lives. Amen. You may be in the midst of that valley experience or that dark cave, but maybe God is allowing you to be bruised. Amen. Hallelujah. So that sap can flow out of your lives into the lives of other people. So it doesn't have to be a place of permanent disillusionment. Instead, it could be a place where it's a stepping stone. Amen. A pit stop on the way to you coming out and taking other people with you. So you may not be on the mountaintop right now, and the path may be long, but yet realize that God has provided you refreshment in the midst of that valley or that cave experience. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, one of the things you got to think about, too, is that in the midst of that situation, David had a choice. See, there's different spiritual influences that are there. When people are, you know, discontented, people are in distress, and people are in debt, a lot of times misery loves company. And they said there's what? I think it was like 400 people that gathered themselves under David. So if that's the case, how many of them were there that actually infected each other so that instead of them maybe being there for a short amount of time, they were stuck there for a lot of time, amen? Because they start to affect each other and infect each other in terms of their mindset and their perceptions to the point that they were literally bound to those circumstances. You know, Hebrews 12 tells us to follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. It says looking diligently lest any man fall of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. See, that root of bitterness or that root of discontent, whatever you're going through that is holding you bound to that place of captivity, if you allow that root to fester and don't purge it through the word of God, it'll start to spring up, it'll pollinate, it'll germinate, and then it'll start to produce a harvest after its own kind. Amen? The same way an apple produces an apple, an orange produces an orange, amen? If you have discontent in your heart, amen, it'll start to build up inside of you, and then it'll start to spread into the lives of other people. Or if you're a vessel that's pure and you allow yourself to get surrounded by people that have those kinds of mindsets, they'll start to infest you with that same kind of perception so that now your shoulders are drooped and your outlook is poor. So we have to be very careful that we don't allow these roots to dig themselves down deep. Instead, we have to uproot them through the Word of God. And once again, we have to keep speaking positively over our circumstances. And one of the things I've said before is that a lot of people will speak positive over their circumstances. Amen? You know, you start out, you pray, and you believe God, and you say, God's going to get me through. I trust God. You may even, you know, recite a scripture. But then when things don't pan out, immediately or shortly the way you see them to, to, to go, all of a sudden those negatives start, start to come into your mind. 
and you start to meditate upon them, you start to dwell upon them, and they start to build up and they start to grow, they actually start to become alive, amen? And those spirits that are associated with those starts start to attach themselves and they start to weigh you down spiritually. So what you have to do is uproot those things and cast out those imaginations immediately so they can't have any root on your life whatsoever, amen? Once you do that, instead of them germinating and growing, instead, you've basically rendered them powerless in your life. God tells us, Ephesians 4, 27, he tells us basically to um, avoid all evil and to give no license to the enemy. Amen? That license means to give no access, to give no entrance gate, to give no license whatsoever to operate in your life. So when we block off the enemy's placement in our life, we're preventing him from attaching himself to our mind and once again from going from our mind into our hearts and down into the core of our being. Because once it gets in there, it starts to root itself deep. So we have to be careful that we use the word of God to cast those things out immediately. It says, cast out every imagination. See, the problem is the enemy will send one thought, we block that, and we think we're done the battle. Amen? But the enemy will keep throwing those things in. As I was evaluating the surgical process over the course of the, you know, the, the few months up to that situation, you know, the enemy over and over again tried to send in thoughts of discouragement. You know, he tried to send in thoughts of fear. But every time I sensed that, I immediately tacked that with the word of God. And I said, I'm not allowing the enemy to root any kind of fear inside of my spirit, including the day of the actual surgery. But we have to be determined and realize that we're facing an adversary that's going to keep bringing that stuff forward over and over and over again. See, if you give up, you relinquish the battle, you get lazy, the enemy's going to come in and he's going to sift you as wheat. So you have to be very careful that you continue to cast down every argument, amen, every time as it centers itself into your mind. Hallelujah. So people that are in distress, once again, will sometimes join in with other people, but you have to position yourself so that you don't allow yourself to get attached to that. And matter of fact, you not only repel those spirits, but you start to speak to the point that you start to inspire other people. Amen? So you become a deliverer in the midst of your cave instead of one that gets bound there permanently. Now, um, <clears throat> let's see. One of the things we sometimes can forget as well is that in the midst of our prayers, it sometimes feels that we're bouncing up against a spiritual wall and God is not hearing our cries. But you have to realize that God is always doing it. The word tells us that Jesus ever lives to make intercession for us. Amen? He's never off the job. He's permanently sitting at the right hand of God. So what we have to do is continue to press in, continue to pray and seek God, and he'll not only edify us, but he'll also strengthen us and empower us to get through it. Um, one of the things that he showed me in terms of um, how this situation worked out with me was not only was I able to pray and keep myself edified, but often when I was speaking to some of my family members that I could talk to, amen, some of them were dealing with their own situations. So I found that in the midst of me telling them and confiding to them about my circumstance, they were dealing with either similar things or they were dealing with certain things that were going on in their bodies. I ended up praying for them and basically speaking into their lives more than they could speak into mine. The Word tells us that we should always have our words seasoned with salt, amen? And what that basically means is that it should be seasoned in such a way that it basically spices the conversation or it makes them hunger and thirst for righteousness. You know, if you've ever had a good meal that was well seasoned, one of the things you'll remember is the smell of it. You'll remember the spice 
and if it had a certain kick to it, and if it was well-seasoned and well-flavored, you want a second plate or you want to come back for more. The Word of God coming out of your mouth should have the same kind of impact in the lives of the people that you're speaking to. So the same way that I did that in the people that were uh, I talked to before the surgery, I've been able to continue to do that. And um, actually, I've talked to some fellow co-workers now that are having family members that are going through a similar thing. So instead of having a bleak outlook, now they, they didn't know there's somebody they can come to that can speak to them and strengthen them in terms of that situation. Amen? So we need to do the same thing. Realize, once again, that that cave is only a permanent cave of, of dankness, of, the, of um, discouragement and despondency if you allow it to be that. Amen? Now, I'm going to close with one passage of scripture and basically the point the Lord gave me is that a lot of times the place of your greatest despair may be adjacent to the place of your greatest victory amen I'll repeat that again the place of your greatest despair could be adjacent to the place of your greatest victory and that cave of Adullam later on uh, when when David faced Goliath it was very close proximity to that very place. Amen? So just think if he had stayed in that cave. Instead of him being positioned to battle, you know, Goliath, instead he might have been in that cave or he might have been looking in, you know, looking over the edge of that cave, seeing, you know, his people basically being oppressed by Goliath. Instead of being through that experience and now positioned where he had built up his faith enough that he could come against that champion of the enemy. Amen? So the same way with us. A lot of times that place of your greatest despair will also be the place of your greatest victory. See, I'm going to turn this situation into, you know, a testimony. The enemy meant it for evil, amen, but God has meant it for good. And I'm here to tell everybody today, hallelujah, and the devil himself that, you know, God is going to use me not only in the area of healing, but also in the area of cancer. Without a shadow of doubt, I know God's going to use me, even specifically in the area of the same one that I dealt with, God's going to use me to lay hands and heal others. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So I'm going to close with one verse. Psalm 34, 15, it says, The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The, light, the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. And I can tell you that that was one of the things I had to deal with, you know, through my own process of getting over this final hump, I guess, in terms of trusting the Lord. Like I said, I was a very hard worker, and some of that, you know, like I said, it wasn't a pride thing. It was a... Um, Part of it was being a hard worker, but then there was another part that in my background, you know, I had it spoken over me that I'm stupid, I'm worthless, I never amount to anything. So another part of me being such a hard worker was that there was a part of me that was saying, if I push, you know, if I, if I prevail, if I achieve, I'm counteracting the things that have been spoken over my life. But God said, basically, I had to get you in a place where, you know, every aspect of, of, of self-sufficiency has to be broken to take you to the next area that I'm trying to take you to. Amen? Because you don't know what devils you're going to be fighting. Amen? When you go to that next place. If there's any area in you that's self-sufficient, you may not be able to endure that battle. So as much as God loves you, God may break you if that's what it takes to not only deliver you from your current circumstance, but to get you to the place where you're a deliverer, you know, somewhere else. Amen? And it's well worth the price. 
you know, like I said, that was a hurtful thing for me to set that, hey, you know, this is a battle that I can't fix. Amen? As a provider, as a husband, as a good father, you know, um, you know, to finally be backed in such a hard corner that there's absolutely nothing you can do to get yourself out of it. Nothing. No plotting, no planning, no more emails. That proposal's not going to be heard. You know, that resume that's glowing with references and accomplishments will mean nothing. Just in you, there is no, not one good thing. Amen? God took me to that place. Amen? Took me to that place. You know, but in that midst of brokenness, amen, of realizing that there's nothing in me that is good and there's nothing in me that is of value, in that place, God showed me the value that he has according to his word. Amen? That's not tied to self-sufficiency. That's totally tied to who I am and what my value is from an eternal perspective. Amen? So in that brokenness, God heals, amen, and delivers. He says here that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. So God, you know, many are the afflictions, amen, of the righteous. You may go through trials and tribulations. You may even deal with brokenness in your body. But I'm here today to promise you that God will deliver you out of them all if you totally trust in him. And once again, take your eyes off the cave, amen. Realize that you may be going through trials and tribulations. You may be weighed down with the greatest crises you ever face, amen. But yet God is there right in the midst of it. And that darkness that you can't see your way out of, so brightly illuminated that, you know, even the sun itself is not as bright as how God is visualizing your circumstance. Amen? And as I said, God had given me a vision where he was outside of planet Earth, but he was still focused totally on me. I could sense it in my spirit that he was focused on me, you know, even though his view was outside the boundaries of the Earth itself. And so no matter where you are, no matter what your circumstance is, God cannot help but see you in your circumstances brightly. Amen? And God says in his word that he is a consuming fire. See, one of the things God wants us to do is in the midst of that circumstance to start to pray and worship him so much, amen, hallelujah, that that little spark inside of us starts to get ignited. And he starts to see, hey, there's a brightness glowing down there that's born out of their worship that's drawing my attention, amen, hallelujah. The word worship means to be seen of Yahweh, amen. Once again, it means to be seen of Yahweh. So your worship is the thing that will make his eyes be on you, not the murmuring and complaining, but the worship, the trust, you know, you know, not the lip service, but the words that truly, sincerely, out of the core of your being, trust him with every aspect of your life. Amen? And once you've totally given up on self, I'm telling you, <laughs> the Lord might have to push me back to work. <laughs> I'm enjoying my time of rest. Yeah, I am working. <laughs> I am working from home, but I'm resting, you know? And, and see, I had to catch myself. I'm going to close with that. I had to catch myself because I started this new project, and um, it was so easy. Not only did God give me the first project, but then he had another company contact me, and they were like, um, they were like seemed to be in a rush. Oh, we need to get you started. How soon can you start? How soon can you start? And they kept calling me and emailing me. So finally, I was like, well, I think I could clean my plate so that I could be ready to work on Monday. So like, good. So they get me the paperwork. I sign it, and um, they told me that we're going to need you to work Probably about 180 hours. So I'm looking, okay, 40 hours a week, you're talking about five, you know, maybe five weeks of work. Send me the contract. And before I sign the contract, I'm looking at the financial terms. I'm looking at the period 
of the contract, and instead of being 180 hours, basically five weeks, it said from, you know, July, I forget whatever date it was, to December 31st. So they told me verbally five weeks, but the person, I guess, liked me so much, they said, you know what, let's extend this guy out to the end of the year. And then, not only did they extend me out to the end of the year, but they said, we have a lot of projects and we're growing. So they said, probably, I've talked to other people that said that even though they signed the initial contract, they've been with that company for years. And here's the crazy part. I'm signed to the highest hourly contract that I ever signed, and I'm working from home. I mean, look at God. Amen? In all my strivings, I mean, you don't know the number of hours I've put in. There's times where, I mean, I've done all-nighters. You know, I spent, you know, two weeks going after a project, writing, once again, a proposal that might be 30, 50 pages. Amen? Where they finally give it to a company that gave them two pages and a lower dollar value. And still had to get my head up the morning, praying, thank God, and said, on to the next project. And now I'm in a place where, you know, you know one brother's throwing me money <laughs> to do his work. Another company signs me to the highest contract I ever signed. And even then, you know, at first things weren't going as smoothly as I thought. So I start feeling a little bit of anxiety. Oh, Lord, you know, things aren't going right. And, you know, maybe they'll decide that, you know, I'm not cutting the mustard. And they'll let me loose and stuff. And, you know, thank God for wives. Amen. Because Pam came in the morning. She said, I know. She said, you know what? You've been working too long. for Don't laugh, Tony. <laughs> she knows my wife closely. <laughs> She's like, you've been working too long. And too, you know, your professional excellence, your reputation, everything. You've been working too long for you to walk around, allow somebody to dictate to you, you know, whether or not you're going to have that job. You say you need to be commanding and demanding that, that job, walking in your spiritual authority and say, you are not going to let me walk away from this job. You need me, amen? And I'm not talking about a prideful need, but talking about walking in that spiritual authority and that kingdom mindset, amen? And I thought about that. I was like, yeah. I said, they were chasing me down. So I went out, went on one of my prayer walks, and I just said, in the name of Jesus, you know, all them demons trying to affect me and afflict me, you got to go right now in the name of Jesus. And I'm walking in that authority. I'm walking in that kingdom mindset. I'm a man of God. And I said, you know what, Lord? I said, you know I've never been a person that cared about material things. When I made six figures, I was putting out over $10,000 a year helping out other people, freeing slaves, digging wells, you name it. So I said, you know, Lord, my money is never about me. Amen. I'm just happy. Give me a house, a car to drive, a couple, you know, little trinkets here and there, but I don't live high off the hall. So the money ain't even about me. It's about what I can do to extend God's kingdom. Amen? Hallelujah. Amen? So how dare the enemy think he's going to come in with some confusion to try to take away what God has opened the door to? And it's the same thing in your lives. God has so many things in store for you, amen, things you've visualized, things you've dreamed about, things that people have spoken over your life, and this is the time and season to start taking those things, amen? We need to start walking in that spiritual authority that God's given to us. I like the centurion. He went up to Jesus, and he said, hey, I need my servant, my, my servant to be healed. And Jesus said, I'll go to your house. He said, no, 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 no. I'm a man of authority, and I understand authority. you got enough authority in you. you speak a word only and my servant will be healed. I don't care if it's one mile. I don't care if it's 10 miles. I don't care if it's a two-day journey. Speak the word only. My servant will be healed. Amen? And here's the thing. We're, we've been so accustomed to seeing this as a historical work or black and white and red letters that we've forgotten the part that this is the owner's manual. This is the marching orders over your life. Jesus said in the word of God, he said, Greater work shall ye do, because I go to the Father. And what does that mean? 
It doesn't mean that any of us are greater than Jesus Christ. It means that we are called to pattern ourselves after him. We're supposed to re reduce after his own kind, and we're supposed to emulate his work. See, the problem in the body of Christ is that a lot of people aren't, learn aren't learning in spirit and truth. We've allowed a commercialism. We've allowed pride. We've allowed that crab mentality where people are, you know, jockeying for position to come in, and yet, you know, we're basically corrupted cells, amen? The same way a cancerous cell will divide, will basically spread and grow in your body and kill you, we have the problem in the body of Christ that people are emulating corrupted things, amen? But if we emulate this in spirit and truth, and we disciple ourselves and copy ourselves in spiritual truth, spirit and truth after Jesus Christ, amen, we should be emulating the same things that he did. So we should be going around with a mindset that I am a healer, I am a deliverer, I am on the top instead of the bottom, amen? I am more than a conqueror. And having that kingdom mindset and that spiritual authority to say, wherever I go, I am dictating the boundaries of what God is calling me to do here, amen? The enemy may have squatted here. He may have, you know, sequestered himself here. But I'm here to say today that if the devil's been in my place of work, I'm walking in here, and now there's a new sheriff in town, amen? Hallelujah. I'm taking over this place. Amen. And start speaking that over your job. Amen. Speak that over your family. Speak that over every situation that you encounter. Amen. Hallelujah. We need to stop walking around with our heads bowed low and saying, oh, where is there somebody else that's going to bail me out of circumstance? Instead, walk in our spiritual authority and realize that this is not dead words on a piece of paper. Amen. These are spirit. These are wife or life. These are weapons of spiritual mass destruction. Amen. Hallelujah. This is more pow powerful than any nuclear bomb that could be released if we were to learn how to operate in it. Amen? amen? So we need to start having the kingdom mindset that wherever we go, amen, we have the power and authority to make difference. Amen? First in our own lives, but then in the lives of people that are surrounding us. Amen? Give the Lord a hand clap and give yourself a hand clap. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah.